Welcome to episode five of the Variable Podcast. This week, I had the opportunity to sit down with writer-director Sam Hodges, and we discussed the topic of rejecting trends and pursuing vulnerability. The reason why this topic is so close to home is because both Sam and I come from doing a lot of commercial stuff, doing a lot of branded stuff, um, Sam writing for other directors, you know, supporting the careers of other directors. But um, this past year, Sam decided that it was time for him to really put himself out there in the world and make write and direct uh, a short narrative film of his own. And that, of course, as anyone listening who has done that understands uh, that it's a very vulnerable task. And um, the really amazing thing about this this whole story that you'll hear more about is that the film just got accepted into Sundance. So that was like uh, the cherry on top of just an amazing journey of making that first narrative film. So I won't go into too much more depth here because we cover a lot in, I think it's almost 45 minutes. Uh, one thing I do want to point out is that this call was recorded live in the variable community. So at times you might hear Sam referring to somebody else on the call. I think there was maybe two dozen other folks that were live on the chat and the community, um, several of which were collaborators on the film. So if you hear Sam saying a name here or there, like he's talking to someone other than me, it's probably just one of the collaborators uh, that was on the call. So I just wanted to flag that. Uh, so it doesn't sound like Sam's talking to himself. Uh, other than that, uh, if you have not heard about us, uh, Variable is a community where filmmakers prioritize wellness and growth. Uh, if you are a filmmaker who is actively engaged in your own wellness journey, or it's something that you're thinking about more or taking action steps to just live a more wholesome life, I guess you could say is one way to think about it. Uh, just consider checking us out. We'd love to have you. Uh, that's my plug, I guess. And I will stop here and start the recording in just a second. So I think that the impetus for this call was just, um, you know, following your own voice and your own intuition, and your own story and your own experiences and channeling that into something that was completely unique to you. And I know that's a lot of the conversations that we've had over the last couple of years, but like getting to the point where you actually do that and take that step has been a pretty big journey. Yeah. So why don't yeah. we start a little bit about your backstory and like how you got into film ending with your realization that you, you have to get vulnerable if you're going to make work that is meaningful to you and to resonate and that resonates. It's a big question. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'll, I'll try to compress it as much as I can. You can, you can always go into more detail, but I mean, essentially, uh, I come from a really in, intense kind of childhood. Um, my parents warned, my dad was like an heroin addict turned like firefighter, wild man who met my mom, who was like a rich kid from Ohio and she wanted to make her dad mad. So she, she married my mom and then moved back to like the backwoods of Washington had a couple of kids, lived off very much back to the land, kind of 60s thing, had some kids. Then they became evangelical, went into missions training in Texas. My mom got cancer and died when she was 33. I was seven. At this point, my dad had four kids, including like a one-year-old. 
And he, we kind of tried to function in this kind of, that was a, it's kind of the somewhat, those years where we're like loud house in a real city and stuff. But then my dad just increasingly couldn't really cope with the pressure of that. And so we ended up, um, he ended up putting us all in the car and driving across the country back to this land that they had uh, kind of built this cabin on. At this point, it was like falling apart and like owned by somebody else and was very dilapidated. We kind of just moved in this off the grid shack in the woods where he's lived without like running water or electricity for five six years and then just um i guess and just yeah just just the kind of poverty that you don't really see well it's really common in america actually i think we do see it now actually but you don't see maybe as much in the media landscape or when you do maybe it's kind of told in ways that i don't think are that resonant um but so yeah and then you know pretty wild you know there's a lot of fallout from that from like doing a lot of drugs at a very young age to then like I kind of think then reacted against that I got really scared became more evangelical I, I was at that point I became like a worship pastor at the church I was in went uh felt called by God to ministry went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago to be like a missionary and like evangelist um started seeing cracks in that whatever facade that is at that point um both in terms of just like politics and of abu Ghraib is like 2005 this time in bible college started to really have some really serious doubts in my faith but also i started i had i did have some professors that were just really invested in me in some really cool ways and um i i the other big 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 influence was in high school well since my mom died but really peak in high school i had a stutter it was really severe, so I really couldn't express my thoughts out loud. And so I kind of turned to writing at a young age just to be able to like express myself clearly. Um, so I had done poetry contests and that kind of stuff. And I knew I was a good writer and I had done a lot of music, but I had no idea how to make money at it. Um, so anyway, it, I was in Chicago, this Bible college, kind of not sure where I stood on things, but ended up working as a, as a designer. I just had a good eye for it. So I worked as a designer. I, I had no idea about Hollywood or how to do anything. I knew I could never make money at writing. I loved writing, but didn't know how to do it. Did a couple maybe short films in college, but then ended up becoming a motion designer and then became a, did some music videos, met Steve Hoover when I was really young, uh, became a commercial director there in Pittsburgh and just through the kind of VFX motion design industry. So I, I, I guess I kind of would say at age of 27 or 28 in Pittsburgh, really had just in the commercial world, had never know how, didn't know I was allowed to really use my voice in the kind of writing way, didn't know there's a system. Um, but then did end up making this, this web series that got turned into a TV show and they kind of gave me a way to get into like the Hollywood system and get wrapped and stuff. But I think through all this time period, I had never written anything about um, where I was from. And I think I honestly spent most of my 20s and most of my 30s really running from where I was from and really wanting to act like, I was like to say I was like cosplaying as, as a hipster, you know, <laughs> like, I was like all my redneck sides were very hidden and very like tucked away, all the poverty shit. And I don't know, I, I didn't go back home much, didn't really. So anyway, I think that was a big part of my journey. And then... Um, that's kind of, I guess, the, the backstory to, to, to how I kind of got to place. Um, and then I think in Hollywood, you, know, you had the ups and downs. You talk about a lot on this, on this, uh, in the community, you know, I had some seasons where, I, you know, my show premiered at Sundance and it was exciting. And then everyone was so nice to me. And then I had a couple of years of things not really going as well. And everyone forgot me and you feel alone and all that shit. And, um, but, but during COVID ended up making this film and I felt like 
we can talk about more about why and all that stuff but that is, this ended up being the first thing that really felt like me and really from where i come from and what i characters that i grew up with and that kind of stuff were you aware through the process in your 20s like when you were creating work in pittsburgh were you aware that you were like suppressing your own voice and your own story i don't think so at all i think i was just enjoying having money for the first time in my life you know like i think i was laughing somebody at that time period i had like a bmw i just i, I was like I was like, I call it like, like Pittsburgh rich. It's definitely not LA, New York rich, but I was like, I could do, I had money, I could do stuff. And I and I, don't, I don't even think that's all bad. I think I had to go through that time period of just being like, oh, you know, and I, I like going to fancy restaurants. I don't like all this stuff now feels kind of foreign to me. It's not really what I'm into anymore, but I, I think I had to go through that period. And I think in a way, even being able to find my voice is something of a privilege that only comes out of being having the opportunity to, you know? Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, just the journey to, you know, having the courage to share your story. And um, yeah, take us through that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and again, um, as a writer, my main job right now is I write screenplays and shows. Um, and I think it's not unlike the commercial world in that you have a lot of people around you who are telling you like what's hot right now. You know, like everyone's going for this, everyone's going for that. And I think we all know reflexively or have heard the kind of received wisdom that you're not supposed to follow the trends, like you're supposed to, but people say that, but then you're constantly in these pitches, in these these like uh, these like general meetings where like, what are you working on? And you kind of go through your list and you just see what people spark to or don't spark to. And what they're sparking to is what, their boss told them in the Monday meeting they're looking for, you know? So I think I ended up developing a lot of stuff that just was things I could write and which were proficient at, but I don't think it will ever be the Hollywood thing to be like, oh, you know, I come from like this really embarrassingly messy house. My, you know, I come from this, uh, I really complicated relationship to religion I want to write about and, and, and like, like rural poverty. It just wasn't cool. It wasn't pitchable ever. And I think um, during COVID, we spent a year back in Pittsburgh and I had, I just started to realize how much success had fucked me up a little bit. I, I had put a lot of weight on. I was drinking a lot. I was um, stressed out all the time. I was feeling angry at people who I perceived as having shortcuts that I wasn't being afforded, you know, and had a lot of resentment towards the system and all these things. And I think just the blessing of, you know, having a year where I just, was really, really, I think really willing to walk away from it, I guess. And um, weirdly, I sold, I sold a show to Amazon during that time period that kind of paid the bills. So I had the chance to think. And, um, and actually that was actually about poverty and their notes were so bad and they ruined it so deeply that I just, um, but I guess the bigger picture that was like, I started, so I started, I stopped drinking and I would say that the, the, the drinking isn't really the thing that helped. It, it's just that I think I always had this guilt about drinking that, so whenever I was feeling like stuck or bad in my life, I was like, oh, it's because you drink too much. And I had that kind of internalized guilt. And then without the drinking being the reason I could blame for it, I think I was forced to confront some of these other actual issues that were beneath it. Mm. Um, and I think that's when I realized that I was like, oh, why don't you write? I don't know, like, why are you not writing about stuff that you care about? Like, um and um 
that process kind of so I, but i had had for a long time i do these like free writing things like these, these like morning pages where i just write sometimes just i'll get like ideas for like scraps of dialogue or whatever and just little tiny meaningless things that i'll just write for fun from this big folder called scraps so i said it's scrap i think i was going through that and i'd written something about like a wallet being missing going missing and how like that could and that's so much about my my life and my dad doing this really <laughs> angry guy or it was just so, so unpredictable you know like where he would things would be fine 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 then all of a sudden he's losing he's losing his shit and your whole life is turned upside down he's like angry and aggressive and it's just uh just how much like little tiny things can fuck up your life when you're in this kind of household and i'd write this little tiny like piece of dialogue about that so i don't know it felt like a thing that nobody well one it felt like the op like i was like just that it's very very vulgar it's very it's how people talk right from it's very explicit it's very about uh, this kind of um I guess it's not just this because there's not just a white experience. It's definitely like there's versions of this that affect the Native American communities in rural settings and uh, Hispanic communities. But like there is a certain kind of whiteness in rural toxicity that I just understand. And it felt like a thing that maybe if you wrote about it, there's a danger in, I don't know, that time like platforming it or something. Or there's, there's I had all these internal fears about writing about this because of, and I think it was also like the people who I'm writing about here are absolutely like, you know, Trump people or Trump voters. That whole, that that was during the time of 2020 stuff. Where I didn't know. I felt really afraid to actually make it because I felt like I'm going to be thought of as excusing behavior that I don't want to excuse, but I want to understand deeper. And um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm actually, I think just, but in the process of having to push through all those fears, I, I, I guess I viewed it as something that would be like, okay, this will be an experiment. We'll see where it goes. It's probably not going to work because no one's going to come see it. It's probably not going to, all these self-doubts you have. But then when I was on set starting to make it, it I, I could tell there was something was sparking there in a way that I was like, and uh, people around me were affirming of it. Steve was really affirming of it. People involved. And um, yeah, but I mean, but, but so it felt, then it felt like, okay, I've actually come across something that is real to me and unique to me. But it did, didn't feel obvious when I was going down that path. So I'm trying to say it felt, I, it didn't feel like a smooth ride. It felt very, I felt very insecure actually pursuing these kind of stories. Yeah. And scared because of the predictability of it, unpredictability mm -hmm. of it, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you, you can't control people's reaction to your work. And I think so much of what makes work feel like, you know, I think, I, th I think, I think I was afraid of making like, not to be offensive to anybody that, that you know, was involved in this, but I just, to me, is the thing I don't want to make is something like hillbilly, uh, um, elegy where it feels just fake and feels very like, I don't know, or feels like excusing things. I don't know. I, I, it, 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 there's so much politics that gets involved in our industry. It's felt like, oh, are people going to get it? Is it going to come through? But I think that, I think my heart does come through in it. And that's maybe that's what matters. I, in, in my heart, I'm just I just want to I just want to hold a mirror up to the world that I that I come from, mm -hmm. and uh, I guess and, ha and have a compassionate lens, but I, I don't have a desire to make a political statement or justify anyone's behavior. I just want to understand it better so that I can work through my own shit that I'm going through in therapy and with my wife and with my kids and stuff. You know, it's very ref it's very reflective of those things I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm curious if there was like a specific thing or moment or conversation you had that like 
pushed you over the threshold to go and actually do it because I think a lot of like the fears and insecurities of like us sharing our personal stories and films mm -hmm. like that's the stuff that so many of us are just stuck in perpetually stuck in and then we go back to trends and copying and you know that whole cycle of things so yeah I'm wondering if there was a specific moment or conversation or like feeling that you had that just like you're like mm -hmm. okay there's no turning back now I have to do this and if I don't then this is gonna happen yeah it's I think I I think honestly I I have some people in my life who have just been in my corner in a way that is so um meaningful and that makes you think of this I know like I think I showed the script to Steve probably before anybody else and he just really affirmed that because I felt kind of like this is I, and I'm excited for you guys to watch it because you'll see the short feels in some ways like nothing. It's just, this is like how it's like a missing wallet and you're tracking this kid and it's like very minimal. And I felt to me like nothing. I think, I think when you're telling someone where you're from, like it's the water that I, that I was in. So all the stuff that's in it, that's meaningful to me, it just feels obvious, I guess, or like it's nothing because it is just my world. So I was like, I didn't feel special to me at all, but Steve was really affirming to it. Um, I think I showed, and my manager, I'm lucky, does come from a very rough background. And, and he was like, oh, this is, he, he affirmed that. And then Matt from uh, Wynn and Acres, who I've done some work with, was like, oh, I'd like to help you make something. And he was and he was like, oh, this is cool. And we had some questions about the ending and stuff. But it was definitely had a couple of those things where I think, honestly, I wouldn't have made it on my own. I think it is the people around me just encouraging me that, that made it possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I think I would I, that would have stayed in my in my my drawer forever I think kind of not and then, and then even when it was made I was probably I showed like um I'm like the I, I come back when I was coming back to LA to move here I had met Winston and Aaron before this but I showed them the short on the way back and they were really encouraging like oh you should put it in festivals and I was like no nah, no one's gonna like this shit like no one's gonna be into it but they really pushed me to put it so there are these I got like all these people that kind of pushed around me that really help uh, and I don't know it's kind of why we're doing this whole thing right with, with community is like you need to have people around you do that because mm -hmm. um as much as filmmaking is about finding your own I think it is about pursuing your own weirdness and pursuing your own taste and doing these things that's vulnerable and scary I don't think we have the guts to do it alone it really does take people around us with that intention of um encouragement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I'm curious to like unpack trends a little bit more i think yeah yeah we're all pretty aware of you know what are yeah what are things floating around in any given season or cycle but i'm curious like your perspective about um how trends maybe get in the way of creating vulnerable work or yeah like, some of the pros and cons of trends just yeah well yeah i mean it's and i think it's a complex relationship i mean the the uh I, you you posted this um quote in the in the intro to this but um george saunders is probably my favorite writer and he has a book about the russian short story writers called um assume a swim in the pond in the rain it talks so much about this process of finding your voice and that is like art right he talks about and he's so vulnerable he talks about how when he was beginning and he's talented as hell right he's the i think he's the best like he's he, but he talks about how he was copying Hemingway, you know, in his style and work forever. But, and, 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 and in, in realizing that's all part of where we start, right? When we're young filmmakers, we're copying our heroes. And that's a really important thing. And that's not something to be denigrated. But then at some point, 
it's really scary to because he was saying like I he's like George Saunders is never going to be as good at Hemingway as Hemingway, right. right? I'll always be like an ant on like on 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 like Hemingway Mountain, um, and so I think I think as a commercial director, or whatever, a lot of it is playing with toys. I, mean, I think it's amazing for a narrative director to start in commercials, right? You get to have these short time frames. You get to you have to like learn how to run a crew, learn how to learn that you fail a lot. All this stuff is great. But then when it comes to defining your own voice, it's weird because you have to somehow find this totally other part of yourself, which is, okay, but what what do I like in a vacuum? And really it's not just like, oh, well, like I like Tree of Life. Cool, so does everybody else. That's not actually, like, what do I like that other people don't? <laughs> like, that's the real question. Like, what do I, what am I into that I'm embarrassed that I'm into? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, and I think, our industry is so full of um, wealth and like wealth has like a really big role in it. And just like, there's not a lot of, in the commercial world, there's not a lot of great acting happening. And so it becomes with the cameras and lenses and um, this kind of thing. And so for me, it was, um, I don't know, to to realize, oh, I, I like a lot of stuff that feels wild and raw and, a little bit unhinged and like slow but aggressive in ways that like a lot of my friends even like <laughs> a lot of those I like most like my wife doesn't like that much I don't know like just just be like oh I like stories that have endings that aren't that satisfying is that I don't know I, I don't know so so I, I think just the um, I maybe kind of lost my train of thought for a second but I think just the idea of trends it's important to start to pursue when you're young, like, okay, here's the people who influence you. But then when, when you want to, I think for me, the hard part was just saying, I actually don't want to be Terrence Malick. I respect Terrence Malick. I don't really want to be, or I can't be him. So what else can I do? Or like, I can't be, I think for me, for me probably more like PT Anderson, right? Like I can't be him. I'm not going to be him. So what's my voice. And I think when you, like I said, when I was writing this, it didn't feel like, Oh my God, I'm so fucking talented. It felt embarrassing constantly because it's also felt very exposing and very um like I, I found myself apologizing a lot before i showed it to people like hey sorry there's a lot of there's a lot of swearing in this there's a lot of like there's a lot of uh i don't know there's like very not pc things happening i don't know i'm like i this feels real to me but um I can't show it to commercial rep. They're not going to, it's not going to give me any commercial work. It's if the opposite. Like even at this festival we're going to, there's all these commercial partnerships or like Acura. So I'm like, I guarantee we're not going to get any partnerships with the brand because it's just not that kind of film, you know? Um, but anyway, that's my rambling way of answering that, I guess. I forget what I asked you. We were talking about unpacking. Uh, about trends, about trends, but. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this, um, this point that it that you've reached where it's like you've kind of tried and copied and done a lot of cool looking stuff to a point but it's like when you recognize that that point that you're at is kind of boring and you need to be challenged further and the next the only real next step is to make that short film that is very exposing yeah yeah I'm really interested in that and I feel that a lot of people are stuck there and become frustrated at that point and mm-hmm. start to lose the joy in the process of creating anything yeah. and it can destroy their relationships 
and marriages. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Really bad habits because we're not willing to push push through the resistance and put ourselves out there. So I yeah. think anybody that's doing that, like I know Aaron Tao, who's on the call, who just made an awesome short film about his life story. Like I think just doing that in itself, you know, whether if it wins awards or doesn't win awards, like I, I'm starting to understand it and see it as the essential step that we yeah. have to take. And yeah. even if it stays in the closet or just shows with a group of close friends or whatever, uh, and I'm learning from watching you and seeing you go through the process. It it is hard, and I know you struggled a lot. And we talked a lot about it in the process of just yeah. It. But that's what we talked a lot too when you were doing it. It's like just do it, <laughs> you know. Just yeah, do just do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It, and it feels bad a lot of the time. Um, I, I think I think go back to that Saunders quote because I just love it so much. But I'm going to paraphrase here. But he talks about so he's on like Hemingway Mountain. He's and you have to realize you're bad at it. In this other book, he tells this great story where he like he's like 29 and he's a young kid and he's working at this this job where he can kind of write a book in between his bosses and looking kind of typing this book. He writes this whole book. He's really proud of it, and he shows his wife the first thing, and uh, he's like, you know what, you read you read it. I'm gonna go for a long walk while you read it. But he's about to leave the front door, and he goes, oh, he doesn't have his rain jacket. It's kind of rainy, so he goes upstairs to find his rain jacket. By the time he comes back down, his wife is like crying at the table. <laughs> I read the opening and she's like, no one's going to read this. <laughs> and he's, he's, he has a great way of saying like, he says like the next two weeks were not so good. <laughs> you know, but it's like, there's this thing about like, also when you make shit that doesn't work, it's essential. And, they, and he talks about how he started to just, he kind of gave up and do these doodles, little cartoons. And when his wife, and then one day he walked in the kitchen and saw his wife laughing at something. And it was one of the cartoons he had drawn. And he was like, oh, what? Like, you like that? And so it is. Like, people around us are helpful. But that kind of gave him courage to pursue his own taste. And he talks about how when you find your your voice, it feels like you send this, like, regal, like, hunting dog into the woods to bring you back a pheasant. Like, bring you back my, what's my, what beautiful thing is my voice? And they bring you back, like, a half-naked, half-Barbie doll. Like this is your voice, and it's like this, like fuck, this is my voice. But then they have to say, like, well, even if it is small and relevant, at least it's me, and that's the best. And that just, just having because, and again, it's crazy because of how much I have copied George Saunders in the past as a writer. I would just copy him to to a fault, and so it's weird for me to hear that him say that. But it's like, um, it's always going to feel bad uh to find your voice and you know even, even think about with with Aaron who's quite hard on his amazing film but it is like we all see the closer it is to your heart the more you're going to see the flaws nobody else does and so actually when you're making like a bad version of somebody else's work you can almost convince yourself that it's good because like oh no that's almost this thing and it feels safe whereas some of this yours it just feels like it just feels yeah it just feels embarrassing and like right right before I got into this uh festival I got turned down by four small festivals and I was literally like, oh, this is a piece of shit. My, my, my friends are, are lying to me. You know I mean? That's how it feels in your head constantly. And so I don't know. It's just being an artist is hard. And I think I speak about it much more as a writer director. And, but there is that same thing, you know, John, thinking about with you, for you as, as a I'm a cinematographer is, you know, on the thing we shot for Fetterman, I remember talking a lot about not being try hard, mm-hmm. you know, like not doing work that's out there trying to flex and doing work that we act. And I remember doing some framings where like, oh, this frame was actually 
ugly technically, but we find it to be emotional and interesting. And and you push it. That's the same thing as like, oh, this frame is ugly, but I like it. Fuck. All right, let's do it. And that's that's no matter what you're in. I think that that's the part where we're actually growing. Yeah, that's the fun part too. I know, like growing as a filmmaker is like really discussing the emotional landscape of any given frame or any given story. It's like if somebody wants to shoot in you know four three for example or animal yeah. whatever it's in the past i know starting out it wasn't necessarily about the emotional intentionality of it it was like oh we want yeah. great flares and you know we feel like this will look really cinematic like a fincher film but in documentary yeah. you know things, yeah things like yeah that. but the discussions now i think um going into like a more i, I think being pursuing vulnerability the name of this event is about yeah those conversations behind the ability to have those conversations behind any single frame or any given decision at any yeah. time and um i think that's what's really fun and reinvigorating no, well and the thing of keeping going too because we're talking about this there's a thing i kind of forgot to mention which is that i actually did a show kind of based on my childhood that i developed and it didn't sell in the marketplace. And it was really put me in a really bad position. And I even had like a pitch at Hulu on it where I was going through images from my childhood home. And one of the executives said, you out loud involuntarily said, you, and you're like, oh, like, fuck, like nobody wants my story. Like no one wants this. Mm -hmm. I can just tell their posture that they did not want my trauma experiences, whatever they are, my childhood, my perspective. And you just, I just felt in that pitch round so deeply like no one in town not only didn't want it it felt like fuck you for for coming here almost a little bit and i think that's made it harder to even go and make something but i feel like you know i think it's some of my friends who are who are filmmakers i even have some of my friends like sam and or whatever who just i think are so talented maybe haven't had that level where they kind of break through it's like i was keeping like you gotta keep going because it's gonna happen it's just like your your voice is so and that just, I think just doing this thing of like, oh, you found your, you're just, dude, you're on the right path doesn't mean that you're going to get into the, it's going to be successful at first. It's probably not going to be. And that's even the harder part, right? Is like, there's no guarantees in life. It's very chaotic. It's not fair. It's a broken system. It's a racist system. It's a, it's not going to be simple for anybody, but it's the only chance, like the path of vulnerability is not a guarantee for success. It's just the only chance you have of saying something real. Do you think it's easier to make a career and living off of following trends? For sure. I think we all know those filmmakers who are rich as fuck um, by creating a really simple, easily digestible style. Mm -hmm. That's like this and it's very trendy, whatever. But then I've been around long enough to watch that when those filmmakers, when their, when their style starts to wane, they freak out. Because it's based on something superficial. There's kind of like it's they're they're a magician in some ways, right? Like it's very like magic is fun to watch. It's like holy shit, it's impressive. And but you can only watch the same card trick so many times. I mean, all of our favorite directors we can look at. There's films of theirs they make that you're like, man, this doesn't work, you know. So it's not like it's going to be consistently easy or great. But the people think who really last and who 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 also just and I talked about this before. I really believe in art. I believe in its importance. I, it's got me through the worst times of my life. Like it, you know, I talk about when you come home from a horrible shift when I was dropped out of college and felt invisible and felt like I was fucking up. I was on the verge of homelessness. And you know, you after a shift in a nightclub as a valet, when you're just been, <laughs> been jumped and pushed down and like it's feel like garbage, 
putting in this, this that you put on your headphone to play in the music and the music gives you life inside like art is so important to see the art that, that resonates through years and leaves lasting good in the world comes from a place of honesty and and and, and honesty is not something you can just choose to do it's like a practice you have to you have to commit to mm -hmm. what is that practice of honesty look like for you now at this point having just finished this film mm. yeah i mean it's hard because i'm trying to get the feature a feature done right in the same kind of world and it feels feels really bad each day writing feels really bad it's, it's full of insecurity it's full of procrastination and doubt um i think that it's a process and writing is about rewriting and it's about showing up and just banging up some pages then be, and then also being really okay with erasing things and I, i'm good at that like i i'm the i can kill my babies it's, it's fine like i i'll write a good joke and erase that but it's actually me liking my stuff is harder for me me actually being kind to my work and approaching it from a place where, where it's loose we we're talking about we have this little breakfast we do sometimes and in, in, uh, with with people working on their first features and a couple of weeks ago we were talking about approaching your work with a sense of like knowing that's going to be goofy and be like oh it's just goofy it's just silly. and that's not cool and that's always when they make the best work is when i can be like this is just silly i'm writing dialogue that feels like oh, i'm going to erase this later like that's always when the best stuff comes out so when, the, and it, when you can open up and just be a child and then that's what the, the, another way of talking about being vulnerable is be, being a child right is that like kids are just like you know think open with like i like that or i don't like that and we as adults build so many layers of um kind of subterfuge and chicanery over under our personalities to be guarded you have to be the world's brutal it's not whatever but to then dismantle that um it's hard like one day you think you're being honest the next day you go back into the writing you're like oh i was full of shit like that's not what I really think. I, there, so the one example is a movie that I finished writing. I'm really proud of it, but I wasn't for years because it's a blockbuster type thing, written for a producer. I'm not going to direct it. I rewrote it five times, and it has a thing about like the mom dying in it. Um, at the and this girl, it's like an ET thing, and it's like the girl mom dies. She, she doesn't want to talk about it. And in the end, it was always like she has to admit how angry she is, and that worked okay. And then going back to this rewrite, I was like, oh, being angry is easy. Like being angry is actually easy. I've been angry my whole life. Being angry was simple. What's hard is to admit how sad I am, you know, about this. And I literally, when I rewrite, ended up weeping and crying for six hours straight rewriting it because I realized how sad I've been and how I haven't been able to feel. And I hate feeling sad. And my anger is at the sadness, actually. And so I feel like, I took six, re five rewrites to find that, that it actually was about sadness, not about anger. And, uh, but I always feel like in the work, you have to find something you didn't want to see in yourself or else that's how you know you're at least being somewhat honest. Like if you, well, there's other things from Saunders. We talked about John's, that poem, right? Like, oh, that saying that he didn't invent, I forget who said it, but if you go to write a poem about a dog taking a shit and you write a poem about a dog taking a shit, all you did is write a poem about a dog taking a shit. Like if you, knew what you were going to find before you found it you didn't find anything mm -hmm. and so, so you you can have the outline you can have all this stuff but you, it's so, like if you find something it's real you'll know because you'll the audience can only feel like a a, a a teaspoon of what you feel while you're making it 
And if you don't, if you're not broken by it in some way, I don't mean, I don't mean like destructively, but I just mean like emotionally opened up by the work. It's going to feel fake. It's going to feel easy. It's going to feel like a lecture that you're giving. How do you find that the, this like honesty, and I don't want to say it's like a newfound honesty, but I think that I've noticed in you like the last few years that this topic has come up a lot more. So I'm curious, like, how do you find that the honesty in your approach to writing and directing manifests like in your life and relationships with like family and friends? Mm, Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like I'm coming back to it. I think it was something I was good at when I was younger. Mm. Um, I think when I had a mom die so young, I always thought, you know, I think I had this unconscious part of my brain that thought I was not going to ever outlive her. She died at like 30, well, 34. And so I thought, and so I think I, I, and when I was a really evangelical, pretty radical Christian, I lived in a more honest way because I, you know, I believed that like, that the world was simple. It was like God wrote a book and the world is in darkness and I will die to bring light into that darkness. Like, and that was a simple thing I could be around. And then I was like, I was in good community and we were all aligned and we sang songs together and it was really easy in some ways to be vulnerable to each other. But then when I, you know, I was like, I don't think it is that simple. I think the world is more complicated than that. Um, and then you throw money in the mix and you throw success and you throw whatever. I think I just, I think I felt for a while you, I, I had to be cooler to be successful or something. And so I think I was trying, I think I got a little bit lost. You know, I think I was trying to be cool going to parties and, you know, I almost fucked my marriage up and I was absent as a dad. I remember ways I really regret for a couple of years and, um, coming back to that honesty in a, in a world where I don't know what the meaning is fully. I don't know. I don't have as clear of a cosmology or I don't, not as, um, my fundamental belief is I don't know what's going on here. Right. And so I think it's just been, it just took work to build enough community around me again, where if I felt safe being vulnerable again, and I think it is a process. Um, I think COVID helped with that. I think rejection helped with that. Yeah, it is. It's rejection, right? I, I think when I was having, when when I was, I had this moment where I was felt kind of on top of the world. And I think it was the worst part of my life for me creatively, for me emotionally, all these things. And so um, I think sometimes just being embarrassed and not having a show I, I, I didn't sell, having to go back and doing VFX work to pay the rent. Like I, there was months I had to sell like my bicycles to, to pay the rent. And I was like, I had a New York Times best of the year show two years ago. I'm having to sell my fucking bicycles to pay rent. Like what the fuck happened? Like what? And that kind of embarrassment, I think just began a process that had ended with me just being more interested in pursuing honesty. Well, and, and, and like meditation, right? Is we talk about this a lot and how much that's been a huge influence on me because I didn't understand it before. But to me, now meditation is just taking a break to see what's actually happening in your brain. It's not like some like chanting religious thing. It's just being, it's stopping the narrator for a second and just pulling back and being like, well, what's actually happening inside my brain? And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I think life's short. Why, why lie? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we're not here for long. Right? But it's, I think it's easy to get lost in the bullshit. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of folks on here, I know, including myself, you know, we work in the commercial industry and we are selling a lot of things we don't necessarily believe in a lot of times. And yeah. it's really easy to get wrapped up in that world and think that the work that we're doing is like making a huge difference or whatever kind of agenda that we're getting fed from whatever brand or agency we're working for. And um, yeah, yeah, it's uh it's complicated, you know, it's very complicated. Yeah. And I, I will say, I, I believe in one for them and one for you. And I also believe in taking any opportunities in front of you. I, I don't think it's like, oh, you shouldn't make, it's actually harder. Like I say, it's actually harder um, to make that work beautiful, but, the, but there's a way to do commercial work and like blockbuster stuff in a way that is honest, even if that the work itself is yeah. how you deal with people, with the crew, with each other. It's just, it's that, that's, it's, you can still be, you can still be vulnerable and honest in that process. Yeah. Even, even as a director, I think, it's a big gap between oversharing and honesty. Like, look, there's sometimes as a director, you, you got, it's like a Spielberg talks about like in the car on the way to set, you're like pissing your pants. You walk out of the car and you're like, okay, guys, I got a plan. You're full of shit. But like sometimes the crew does need that and they don't need to know all your emotional baggage, but there's still a way to approach that in a way that's vulnerable and honest and real. So it's less about like the work all has to be like Oscar winning portraits. Cause again, like people need, comedy people need action films people need escapist content it's not about that it's about it's not about being avant-garde it's about just not being full of shit yeah I feel like you've pretty much answered all the questions I have are there any other um before we like open it up to Q and A's or just anyone's thoughts or whatever um are there any other things that you think that we missed out that you want to talk about relating to like trends mm. yeah i mean i i i i guess the, i guess i guess the other thing <laughs> there is it does really feel like which with what little perspective i have i guess in the industry and what feels like timeless it does feel like um you talk about just making stuff and uh, the biggest fear about just making stuff is money and I really do believe sometimes that not having money can push you to do stuff that is more vulnerable and more embarrassing. But I've seen more people in the narrative space get wrapped and get content made out of shit that looks bad, but feels good. It feels honest. Like, you know, it's it just, I just say like this, I really, I really think it's about making shit and just making shit. And, and, and even if it's, you're going to, you, you know, even the thing that we just shot you on the short, like we'll finish that. It'll turn out okay. But it, I made some mistakes on that. that are, I think are huge. And like, I learned a lot from, so it's like, man, even shit that you go to make that feels like you're doing all right. If it, when it fails, you learn more from it. So yeah, it's just, just that's like a thing I'm trying to teach myself. And it's easy to talk the talk. It's hard to walk the walk of actually going out and just making stuff. But I think that is the most vulnerable thing is putting it out in the world and not just like, going on fucking tiktok for three hours you know <laughs> yeah i i definitely just to riff off that i feel like and i'm curious if anyone else agrees or disagrees maybe this is how we can open things up but i know just like in the visual driven culture that we're in it's really easy to get wrapped up in the way that things look and thinking that we have mm -hmm. to thing with like this camera and this system and this lenses and this like everything has to look to this like very high almost like commercial production value 
And uh, when in reality, you know, making films doesn't have to be, I mean, your film was pretty simplistic at the end of the day, I would say, right? It, yeah, it cost, I mean, it cost a fair amount. But a lot of it was, was, was COVID, but a lot is also like um, Kyle just made <laughs> magic out of, but like, so I just shot with Kyle pickups and just to call that for a second, like he's one of those DPs who can just take no money and make it look amazing. Not that he did, he deserves more money than I gave him. He deserves lots of tools. But like I like it is, I, it is amazing to watch. Even like this weekend, we were on a set, we had no lights, and people starts pulling up frames. I'm like, yeah, great, fuck, cool, you know. And it's just, um, yeah, it's favors, and yeah, I think it costs more than it should because of COVID. But I think at the end of the day, it, it, it's a simple movie. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I do know just from from talking with a lot of directors in general that a lot of things that hold them back from, or at least this is what they say, this could be one of like the saboteurs, you know, it's like, oh, we yeah, have this on Alexa and this and yeah. whatever, and um, I need like 50K to shoot this short or whatever. I, I I find that there's a lot of excuses buried in that thinking a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well in, in, not as excuses, right? That's, it's... um self-protection yeah so that's a better way to say it (laughs) it's like they're afraid you're afraid of making something that looks unprofessional and i think professionality is oftentimes the death of creativity you know like we have this idea have this idea of like this kind of slickness and that's where commercials i mean i thought it was a lot with 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 aaron and i don't know how to parse this but Doing commercials makes you worse at a certain point in your career. It makes you worse because it makes you question. It makes you have a certain eye in a certain way. I don't know how to do that. I because we all have to pay the bills, and I'm never going to judge anyone for doing anything to pay the bills. Like I'm on everyone's team who's out there hustling and doing whatever to fucking make it in a really unfair, unjust wealth. You know, we're in a time of an unparalleled wealth inequality. Our whole like a generation is fucked. Like I'm fine. People, I'm not judging that. It's just that like part of the pain of that is that we don't have film grant programs. We don't have a good infrastructure for, for narrative. And I don't know, at a certain point, being a commercial director helps you learn the tools. At a certain point, it hurts you because it makes you makes you weak. It, make, it makes you want to ask everyone's opinion. That's what you do on the commercial set. You go back to the tent. Well, what would you guys think? What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and that's hard. It's hard to get out of, that, that out of your head. All right. I'm going to end it on that note right there. Uh, after this point, it just broke out into a community discussion that went on for, gosh, I feel like it was an hour and a half after this wrap because there's just so many of us here that are currently in commercials and branded content and we're all really craving the more personal, vulnerable storytelling that we can't really fully express in the commercial space. So I felt like this was just like a therapeutic dialogue that unfolded and it was really great to have Sam and a few other people in the community that have made some really personal emotional projects in the community to just kind of share their experiences and riff off with us so anyway um, ending it there again if you want to be engaged in these types of conversations check us out at wearevariable.com and that's it for episode five